right into um, the, the Bible tonight, Nehemiah chapter 13. Uh, I'll just read the first few verses and then we'll get in, into the message. On that day, they read in the book of Moses and the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass, when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. You sure are a great God. Lord, we come to you tonight realizing that we are nothing and you are everything. And we come hungry for you and your word. We realize that we need your power on our life. We need you to work in our homes, in our marriages, in our workplace. We need you to work in our families and our schools. We need you to work in our country and in the world. We want you to do something through us. And may we, like Nehemiah, be willing to stand up for what's right and be willing to stand up for truth. And may you use us to impact this world for Christ. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message tonight is Spiritual Rededication. Rededication. And the reason why the title is Rededication is because that's what needed to happen. You know, it's interesting that Nehemiah, the first seven chapters, was responsible in helping rebuild the wall. And then after the wall was built, he had to fill back up the city because everybody had left the city. And now he says, hey, you got to come back and you got to dwell here. And there was a reforming of the people. And I think uh, Brother Cameron preached a couple weeks ago on what they did and how they read the Word of God and how God blessed them. And, and God started working. And then after a season, after 12 years of Nehemiah being governor, he had to go back and go back to the king. And he had to fulfill his duty once again. And, and, and after he was there for a little bit, his heart started burdening and burning just like Paul did in many of his churches that he had went to. He wanted to go back and see how things were going. He wanted to see if the Word of God was still alive and well in the people's heart. He wanted to see if God was still working. He wanted to see what had happened and perhaps maybe the congregation had grown and perhaps more people were getting saved and God was blessing and he thought, you know, I want to go back and check on it. And so the king granted him that. And Nehemiah goes back and he sees that the house of God is defiled. He goes back and he sees their work was defiled. And he goes back and he sees their homes were defiled. Nehemiah decides to do something about it. And Nehemiah, to me, is an amazing man of God. He reminds me of the story of a school teacher who injured his back and had to wear a plaster cast around the upper part of his body. It fit under his shirt and was not noticeable at all. On the first day of school, with the cast still under his shirt, he found himself assigned to the toughest students in the school. And walking confidently into the rowdy classroom, he opened the window as wide as possible and then busied himself with desk work. A strong breeze made his tie flap. He took the desk stapler and stapled the tie to his chest. By the way, the story goes he had no trouble with discipline that year. You know, it's interesting that Nehemiah seems like that kind of man. He just wanted to go. He had put too much work he had to put too much effort, he had to put too much blood and sweat and tears in this city, his hometown of Jerusalem, only to find it going back in the direction which had caused it to be destroyed. And may I say, our flesh, our human nature is bent to doing wrong. 
We have to, on purpose, stay on track for Jesus Christ. The teens are going to be going to camp here in a couple of weeks. They've gone to camp before. Why are they going again? I think maybe because after a year or so, we need rededicated again. And may I tell you today, Christians, we have to continually focus on being closer to Jesus Christ. The world, the flesh, and the devil is going to bend us the wrong direction. And so Nehemiah really points out four different things. He talks about how they were mixing with the wrong crowd. He talks about how the church house was a mess. He talks about how their workplace was a mess. And as a result of that, their home was deteriorating. And because of that, their country was starting to deteriorate. So he points out four things, but then he gives four things that will help them get back on track. And praise the Lord. Uh, They did, at least for a season. So number one, if you're writing, we see the spiritual decaying. The spiritual decaying. We see that God's word exposes our impurity. And we read these verses already, but I want us to see that the decaying of the people came through their cohabitation. The Bible says in verse number one and two, all the mixed multitude. What was happening was the children of Israel were mixing with the Ammonites and with the Moabites. There are two nations who were better enemies of Israel. And God's law had clearly stated that these two people should never be allowed in the temple. Some believe maybe it could have even been Egyptians who had left the rule of Pharaoh and wanted to go with the Israelites purely for freedom's sake. But they did not necessarily go for religious freedom's sake. And I think it's interesting how our country was founded on religious freedoms. I think everybody enjoys freedom, do we not? But may I encourage us to never let go and understand why our country was founded. May we always still be, as Christians, love and cherish and protect our Christian religious freedoms. But we see here this morning, this evening, their cohabitation. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, why would the Lord command that? Because he knew that a bad apple or a bad tomato, if you will, would affect the whole lot. Some may say, well, maybe the Lord was just prejudiced. No, because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 10, 18, he doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger. Jesus loves everyone. In fact, he even allowed foreigners to make sacrifices. In Numbers 15, verse 15, one ordinance shall be for both of you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you an ordinance forever in your generation. It says there, and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you as you are so that the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. And it was totally fine for strangers to come and worship God. And the Lord wasn't, wasn't against people coming that weren't Jews. What he was against is those who are going to affect God's people. And Jesus Christ wants us to impact and influence people, not the other way around. And oftentimes in our life, we can go to influence people and find out they actually are the ones who influence us. So Nehemiah says, hey, I know our flesh is bent to do wrong, but let me encourage you. If you're going to go impact people and witness to people, praise the Lord, do it. But don't let them change you. May I encourage us to keep pointing people to the Savior. Jesus desires all nations to know and love him. Isaiah 42, 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light 
of the Gentiles. He came to seek that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I'm thankful that Jesus came to seek and save every single one of mankind. All those in the past, all those in the present, and all those in the future. I'm thankful for the day when someone told me about Jesus Christ and I gave my life to the Lord. And Jesus Christ loves everyone, but he was very, very uh, adamant here. The Lord was that, hey, don't mix with those who are going to cause you to go the wrong way. And that's what was starting to happen here. The defiling happened because they cohabitated with the mixed multitudes who wanted nothing to do with the Lord. But I see Nehemiah comes up and I see the cohabitation of the people. But I see the charge of Nehemiah in verse number three. Nehemiah simply says, separate. May I encourage us today that we should still separate from the world. First John chapter two and verse number 15. It says, love not the world. By the way, the world there is anybody that's against God. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Nehemiah says, hey, you're cohabiting, you're mixing around with people that are going to tear you down. And my charge to you is to separate from them. I ask you a question tonight. What should you separate from tonight? What has God laid on your heart that would say, you know what? Something's pulling me down. Maybe it's that bitter person, that critical person that's always criticizing authority. Hey, maybe we need to take a step back from a little bit. And maybe we grow closer to the Lord. So we see, first of all, the spiritual decaying that was happening through the cohabitation of the people. And then we see the charge of Nehemiah. But number two, if you're writing, I want us to see the night, the spiritual defiling. The spiritual defiling. We see the people started cohabitating. And because they started doing that, it started to merge into the church house. It started, and by the way, we can say our church is, is a solid rock in the community. But the church is only as strong as its people. May I encourage us tonight that the church house has got to stay close to the word of God as well. The house of God was defiled. How was it defiled? Well, we see through the opposition of Tobiah. If you remember, if you've been following along these last few months, we see the two biggest thorns in the sides of Nehemiah were Samballot and Tobiah. Tobiah was the Ammonite. By the way, the Ammonites were forbidden to come into the temple. But what happens? Well, the Bible says in verse 4, and having... And before this, Eliashib, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Could you imagine being Nehemiah and seeing him come back and to hear that the one person who was his biggest thorn in his side was now not just attending worship services, but he was indwelling within the very temple that had been erected and had been been built because of of the, the purpose of it was to give him closer to God. And now the most worst enemy of Nehemiah is now sitting there dwelling within and he had become allied with the with the high priest the high priest had married Tobiah's daughter could you imagine that Nehemiah's heart must have just been broken we see the population of the worship but I wanted to see number two under the opposition of Tobiah the pausing of the worship look at verse number five the Bible says he had prepared for him a great chamber 
where aforetimes they laid the meat offerings and the frankincenses and the vessels and so forth. And this was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the offerings of the priests because that room was no longer being used for the original purpose and instead of for Tobiah, the worship started pausing. Man, I encourage us tonight, just because we have a building doesn't mean we're having church. May I encourage us tonight to always decide that we are going to be and worship with God. We see the pausing of the worship, and I think it's very fitting. We have the Lord's Supper tonight. Why do we have it, as Pastor mentioned earlier? Because we need to be reminded about what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. And may we never forget the blood and sweat and the tears and the mental anguish and agony he faced in the garden where he said, Lord, if it be your will, I I don't have to do it, but if it be thy will, I will. Can you imagine the mental anguish as he bore the sins of all mankind, but he did it for you and me. And tonight we see a church who had paused their worship. The sad irony of a priest disrupting the very sacrifice reveals the depth of the sin of these people in just a few short years. I see not only the population of the worship, Tobiah and his group, but also the pausing of the worship because he came in. And because he came in, the Levites were not being taken care of because we see in verse number 10, the parting of the leaders of worship. The Bible says there, and I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. See, the Levites were not being cared for anymore. The staff, the pastoral staff, was no longer being cared for. So what did they have to do? The ones who did the work were fled everyone to his field. Why? Because they had no food. They had to go grow their own food. They had to stop doing what needed to be done on a daily basis. They had to stop caring for the flock. They had to stop ministering, worshiping for the flock. Why? Because they weren't being cared for. And oftentimes when sin comes into our life, it's amazing how what we're so obeyed and commanded to do starts being paused. When your heart's not right, your giving's not going to be right. When your heart's not right, your serving's not going to be right. When your heart and your, your worship with God isn't right, you're going to struggle ministering to people. And Nehemiah, what does he do? Well, we see the operation of Nehemiah after the opposition of Tobiah. The operation of Nehemiah, he caused obedience. He caused obedience. What he did, it was so simple. He said, man, Nehemiah must have been an amazing mind. No, no, no. He just called him to go back to obeying what God told him to do. And we see that in verse number uh, uh, 7. The Bible uh, says, And I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Elisha, Elisha did for Tobiah, and it grieved me sore, verse 8. Therefore I cast forth all the household. Man, he cast out. The Bible says he commanded, in verse number 9, he cleansed, the Bible says, and then he brought or he carried again the vessels of the house of God. You know what Nehemiah said? Hey, there's a new sheriff in town. Tobiah, get out of here. Isn't that amazing? Could you imagine being Tobiah and just saying, okay, I'll go. go." Nehemiah must have, I don't know if he was just a menacing figure, a giant man, or if he just was a man who says, look, buddy, get out of here. May I encourage you, dads, husbands, it's okay to be the leader of the home and to, to stand up for truth. It's not always easy. I have four kids. Nine, seven, five, three. And they're getting to the age, though, where they, where they try to push you. So they try to test you. It's easy sometimes to say, oh, you know, okay. We can't do that. 
We've got to stand strong on what we believe. We've got to stand strong on the Word of God. We have to realize that, hey, we love you too much to allow you to do that. We care about you too much to do that. And we see, we see renewing. Nehemiah renews. He cleanses the temple. He gets stuff out. We see a restoring in verses 10 through number 13. He restores the rooms to their original purpose. By the way, he blames the rulers for allowing this to happen. I know the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And if much is given to you, hey, you've you got to stand up. If you've got the leadership position, hey, learn to stand up and lead. And we see here, Nehemiah gets a restoring, but we also see a remembering. Look at in verse number 14. Remember me, oh my God. You know what Nehemiah says? Remember all I've done for you, Lord? You know all the work I've done, all the labor I've done. Remember me. If for no one else you're going to turn this country around, can you do it for my sake, Lord? Could you imagine being Nehemiah and standing in the gap, if you will? Isaiah and Jeremiah standing in the gap. May I encourage us tonight, winning men and young ladies and women and, and children and teenagers to stand in the gap. We've been implored today by missions. And may I say, my heart was just worked over in Honduras. Now, I don't believe God's called me to Honduras. I believe he's called me to Oregon. But I want to encourage you tonight, wherever God's placed you, can you stand in the gap? Can you be the difference maker? And Nehemiah says, God, remember me. I'm willing to stand up for what's right. I'm willing to restore this church back to where it needs to be. Will you remember what I've done? And so we see a spiritual uh, uh, defiling. We see a spiritual decaying. But number three, I want us to see uh, tonight a spiritual dishonoring. We see it in the cohabitation of the mixed multitude. We see it throughout the people. We see it in the church house. But we see it starts contaminating their workplace. The Bible says in verses 15 through 22, it talks about what happens on the Sabbath. And we see the corrupt practice. In verse number 15, In those days I saw in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath. And bringing in sheaves and lading asses, all also with wine, grapes and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I testified against them on the day wherein they sold victuals. We see personal business was being done on, on the Sabbath. We see the spiritual dishonoring was leading to a corrupt practice. A corrupt practice. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Lord was very adamant what to do with the Sabbath. The Bible says, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. And we won't read the rest, but the Lord had been very clear to, on, the, on the, the Sabbath. The church, you need to be in church. You need to be worshiping God. We see the professional business on the Sabbath. The Bible goes on to say in verse 16, there dwelt men of Tyre. These are people who had, weren't even children of Israel, but they saw there's money to be gained in the temple. So what did they do? They came from Tyre. They brought fish and all manner of wear and sold on the Sabbath into the children of Judah. We see the professional business on the Sabbath. So we see this practice going on a corrupt practice. So what does Nehemiah do? We see a compelled purification. If you see in verse number 17, then I contended. The Bible says in verse number 18, did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us? 
He commands them. He charges them in verse number 19. He testifies against them in verse 21. He says, I will lay my hands on you. And they came no more. Nehemiah says, hey, don't you remember that what you're doing right now are the very things why God brought judgment on you and brought Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon on you so many years ago? Don't you remember? He says, what are you doing? Once again, Nehemiah stands up, he contends, he commands, he charges, and he testifies. By the way, he says, you're not welcome here, don't come back. Well, the people understood, we better get uh, shaped up here. He blamed the leaders in verse number 17. He says, the nobles of Judah... He warns those who tried to violate his command. He threatened punishment if they tried it again. It's amazing. When they knew Nehemiah meant business, they knew, hey, I'm not going to come back. We see by exhortation, we see by enforcement in verse number 19. He testifies, he enforced, he commands the gates to be shut. He says, hey, why are you leaving these gates open? There's a reason why we built these gates along the wall. Close them up. They're not, they're not going to be open on the Sabbath day. We're going to church. We see we must be compelled to purification, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I just want to park here and say this. Aren't you glad we have a God who knows we're going to mess up? I read this and I preach it and maybe it comes across a little hard and that's really not my intent tonight. My intent is for us to realize that we, by our sin nature, we need God's help. Even on our best day, we need God's help. And Nehemiah is saying here, hey, people, you know I love you. I mean... I gave 12 years of my life here. I, I, I risked everything. We, we went across this journey from Babylon to here several times and, 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 from, and from Persia here several times and we risked our necks. We came in here. We fought off Sambala and Tobiah. We almost died several times. And by the way, you read Nehemiah and you see miracle after miracle after miracle. And Nehemiah says, you know why I'm doing this. I'm not the mean guy. I'm not the gruff guy. I'm not the guy that doesn't like to have fun. No, no, no. I'm the guy that loves my God, and I love you, and I'm trying to help you see what's best. I have some of the greatest parents in all the world, but there were days where they weren't very popular with me. You know, Dad, you don't understand. That's not what they're doing nowadays. I know you grew up in the 60s and 70s. That's not how they do it anymore. And I'm thankful for a mom and dad who said, you know what, I don't care what's going on, but in the layman household, this is what we're going to do. Because I believe this is what God would have us do. I want to encourage us tonight with just simply this. We need Jesus Christ. We need God in our life. And there's times when we don't like to be corrected. I think someone said this yesterday in the men's breakfast. I thought, I thought it was great. You know, oftentimes uh, uh, we, we don't like to be told we're wrong. But when we realize it, we realize, okay, you know what? I probably need to get it fixed. And so Nehemiah is coming to these people, I believe with all my heart, with the right spirit, and he has a heart of love. He's just so burdened and frustrated that in such a short time, they changed everything. 
Last but not least, I want us to see number four, the spiritual declining. We see it goes from the people in general, it creeps into the church house, it then gets into their workplace, but then it gets into their homes. One of the saddest things I believe in our country is our country has deteriorated because our homes have deteriorated. May I encourage us tonight, and I'm preaching to myself just as much as anyone, but may we get our homes back in order. The Bible says in verse number 23 through 31, we won't read it all, but the people had not purified their homes. And despite the measures of what both Ezra did and Nehemiah did, the mixed marriages continued to come in. What I mean by mixed marriages is they were no longer uh, 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 marrying fellow Christians or they were marrying, they were going out again, out of the temple. They were going out of, out of the city and they were marrying the Ammonites as, as we see the high priest. We, they, they, they were marrying uh, uh, the, uh, the Moabites. They, they were marrying the Samaritans. They were all, all intermarrying and because of that, it was starting to affect them. And I want us to see the failed covenant through intermarrying. We see this in verse number 23 and 24. In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod. These were the Philistines. Weren't the Philistines always uh, 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 in the uh, uh, always always in the uh, thorn in the Israel's uh, side? Uh, they married Ammon and of Moab, and their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language. But according to the language of each people, can you imagine the confusion that was starting to happen? Not only by intermarrying but by inconsistent mentoring. By the way, it does matter who's mentoring our children. It does matter who's mentoring us as adults. And I have learned one thing in life. No matter who you are, everybody wants to influence you. Man, when I first realized that, I thought, wow, I must be special. Everybody wants to tell me how I should do things. Man, I am an amazing young man. But do you know what I realized? I wasn't that amazing. Everybody just wants to be able to influence you. When I encourage, when I want to encourage you tonight is to find out who you are letting mentor you and make sure they're the right kind of people. And so we see the inconsistent mentoring. So you know the failed covenant. We see the of the people. We see the firm conviction of Nehemiah. Verse number 25, it says there, And I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote, and plucked off their hair. And, and he says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these sayings? He says, Hey, you remember Solomon, the wisest man in all the world? You know what got him? What got him was the intermarrying. Ezra 9, verse 3, And when I heard this saying, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and my beard and sat down astonished. Ezra had done this. And you know what? What Nehemiah, Nehemiah did the same thing. He plucks out, uh, uh, he can, he plucks out the, their hair. He smotes them. He curses them. He, he, he says, hey, let's get things going. Let's get things right. He made them aware of God. The Bible says in and verse number uh, 29, remember them, oh my God. Verse number 28, therefore I chased him from me. They have defiled the priesthood. Verse number 30, thus cleansed I. And then verse number 31, I love this. And for the wood offering, at times appointed them for my first fruits. Remember me, oh my God, for good. And when Nehemiah said the solution to rededication is stop the sin before the sin stops you. 
I've used this illustration a lot, and I, I hate to do it again. But when I was in college, someone I knew uh, got tired of seeing a check engine light, so he put a piece of black electrical tape over it. It solved the problem of the light. It did not solve the problem of his engine, and he blew his engine up. You know, it's, it's interesting that I don't always enjoy going to the oil change place. You know, but I know I need to. Why? Because I want my vehicle to keep running well. And the best thing to do is to keep rededicating ourselves to the Lord. I'm not saying you got to keep getting saved again. I'm th- thankful once saved, always saved. But I do believe with all my heart, including me, I don't know how many times I've taken a walk down our street and then gone over on Beaver Creek Road and I've walked and sometimes a mile or two and I just said, Lord, i got to have you today. I'm just not feeling it. God, I really want to serve you. I want to reach people for Christ, but I just don't feel like doing it today. You know, by the end of that walk, usually I'm ready to go do it. Why? Because God just has a way of, uh, of quickening us and stirring us back up. I want to encourage you tonight. Just like Nehemiah, he cleansed them of everything pagan. I hope you know my heart. I, 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 I want you to know that this message is a message for us all to remember to stay where we need to be. Just like my, my, my vehicle, sometimes we have to get it aligned because it likes to go off, off road, if you will. And there's times in our life where we need to be realigned with the Word of God. I don't know where you're at tonight, but I do know this. Nehemiah was brokenhearted. His heart was just in shambles because in just a few short I don't know, months or years. I didn't study all that out, but I know it wasn't a long time. Perhaps some of you know. But he comes back and all that he had worked for was just going to pieces. But aren't you glad tonight for a man who was willing to not just point out the problems, but he took the chance to stand up and fix the problems. May I encourage us to be willing to not just point out the problems. (laughs) And a ministry this size that's always growing... I promise you, you're going to find problems. But there's a whole lot of good going on as well. May I encourage us to just keep on loving Jesus. Keep on focusing on reaching the lost. Keep on loving people. And just keep on trusting God. And keep our heart and our spirit right with Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. I don't know where you're at tonight. I know the Lord's really worked on my heart this week. Yes, Honduras helped. It was just amazing to see how God was working. God really did a work on my heart. But I'm asking you tonight, draw a circle around yourself, and just say, God, is there some defiling going on inside me? Is there some decaying going along inside me? Is there some dishonoring going on inside me? Is there some things that are, are getting off track? Maybe, maybe you're, you're dwelling with the people and they're tearing you down. Maybe, maybe it's creeping into the church house in your heart. Maybe it's creeping into in your homes. Maybe it's creeping into your workplace. And it's just starting to get to you. The world of flesh and the devil is just starting to get to you. May I encourage you to decide afresh and anew that I really do want a victorious Christian life and I want God to be praised and I want Him to work in my life and I want to rededicate my life tonight to just... Doing right, standing for truth, saying no to sin and yes to the Savior. Lord, you sure are an amazing God. Thank you for this uh, book of Nehemiah. 
Lord, thank you for these dear people listening so intently. And Lord, I pray that you'll just do a work like only you can. Or it'll just be a simple invitation. My, my prayer is that you, your will be done and you work in hearts like you want. Or maybe there's some that need to come forward and just make the rededication public in their heart with you. Maybe there's just some people who haven't maybe prayed for a while or maybe haven't come forward for a while and coming forward isn't anything magical. I, I just believe it really shows you that we, we, we really want this. Or maybe there needs to be some rededicating tonight. Maybe there needs to be some marriages, Lord, rededicated to getting back to where we need to be. Maybe there needs to be dads or some husbands that are going to say, you know what, I need to be the man of the house I need to be. Maybe there needs to be some, some staff members or maybe there needs to be some teachers or, or maybe some workers who say, you know what, I, I, need to, I, need, I need to be willing to be rededicated to the Lord. I, I've gotten a little weary. I, I haven't been ministering like I should. I haven't been serving like I should. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I need that. God, God has gifted me and I need to use that. I need to impact more lives. I, I don't know where it is, Lord, but I pray that your will be done. We sure do love you, Lord. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. The piano is going to play. If you could stand to your feet, we'll have a simple, quick invitation. But if God's working on your heart or touched your heart tonight, we have a few that are going to be getting baptized tonight. We're excited about that. Uh, But maybe God can work on your heart tonight, and you can just pray. Pray that God will do a work if only you can. God speak to your heart, even in the privacy of your own heart, you may say, Lord, I need to rededicate my life. I need to afresh and anew stand on the values that you taught me and your word taught me. Let God do something special in your life. tonight. What a great um, crowd and what a great service. And we will be having um, a few things in just a minute, but uh, Jessica Williams and their ch- her children, and of course Brent's up there too, and uh, uh, they would like to, they want to join the church, 
but they need to get baptized first. Friends already been baptized, and so they're going to be getting baptized, and then they're going to be joining the church uh, after that. So we're excited about uh, that. But I want to um, also encourage us uh, that right after the service, there'll be a, um, a VBS meeting, and then the teens as well. Make sure you see where the TJ. And so this time we're going to show a video, and uh, then we'll get ready for the baptism. Families, don't miss the Lord's Army Vacation Bible School. It will be Monday through Wednesday, July 11th through 13th from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. You can sign up your children at the Welcome Desk or online at grandviewcares.com forward slash register. There will be a very important meeting following the evening service for any VBS volunteers and workers. Please make plans to join us for this time of special instruction as we work together to make our Vacation Bible School a success. Prime Time with Pastor will be held Tuesday, July 19th here at Grandview in the Abundant Life Classroom. The cost is only $10 per person, and you can sign up today at the Welcome Desk to attend. We want to help lead you on a journey of a strong relationship with Christ. And we believe a great way to facilitate this is our starting point class for all people new to our church or for those who want to serve the Lord in a bigger way. We will meet on Sunday, July 17th after the morning service for about two hours, and we'll enjoy a meal together. During this special time, you will learn how to strengthen your relationship with the Lord, get connected to other people, and find an area to serve. Our summer children's program will be putting on a musical play entitled All About the Call on Sunday, July 24th at 5 p.m. Get your kids involved this summer as we work to bring fun, Bible truths, and singing together for all ages. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday at 7. Okay, I think they're almost ready. I... Sorry, Brent. I, I'm, I'm Brett. I'm, I said Brent. I apologize there. Uh, Brett and Jessica want to join the church after baptism. And so we'll go ahead and vote on that in just a second. And then, of course, their children, Reese and Kai, as well, will be getting baptized there. I cannot see. Okay. I think they're getting close. Okay. Oh, there we go. All right, Brother John. you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. We've got one more. He's still getting ready. Brett and Jessica 
would like to uh, join the church. Uh, they've been saved and baptized. I got to spend some time talking with them a little bit about that. And they're excited about joining Grandview Baptist Church. So all in favor say aye. aye. All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. We're so glad to have you. And of course, it's good to have your family with us too. And thank you for coming out and being a part of, of tonight as well. Okay. so you can see him. There you go. Kai, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, what a great, great service. And I know it's been a busy full day. Thank you so much for coming out. Brother Vessel, do you mind dismissing us in prayer and then maybe give any instruction on the meeting? Briefly here in the front of the uh, these there's first few pews here after the prayer. If you're helping with Vacation Bible School, we'll try not to take very long, but we do need a few things to mention. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this wonderful day of ministry. You have certainly blessed beyond measure. We thank you that we have a place where we can come and we can be ministered to and we can minister. We can share your word to others we can encourage our brothers and sisters in christ we can rejoice when people make decisions for you we've been able to do all of that and much more today lord we ask a special blessing as we continue our week and with this emphasis of our vacation bible school as we present the gospel as we work with young people i pray that you would use us in a mighty way i pray you'd use us to reach some families there's so many families in our area who are in need of you. And, and God, I just pray that you bless as each one ministers. So many people offering to be of assistance and help, and we appreciate that. I pray that you would bless in the lives of these dear families. These folks love you. They come out on a Sunday night, they love you. I pray that you would bless and help them through this week. And no doubt challenges that will arise, Lord, we know that you're the master of it all, and you can... Give us direction and wisdom, and we ask for that. And for all that you do, we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.